0: Today, a special edition of Compassion Radio. Good morning, honey. We're going to end this week with a, kind of a special program. I thought we'd actually do a kind of a Q&A program today.
1: Mm, okay. That sounds good to me. I know we've had a lot of discussion about the things that are going on in our world right now that look to be very confusing. Right. We live as people who trust a great big God.
0: We're supposed to, yeah.
1: And he is not a God of confusion. We no. we read that in scripture, that he is a God of order and a God of sanity.
0: That's a great word to use. The Bible actually says it just like that.
1: Well, in Second Timothy, it says we're not given the spirit of fear from yeah. God. We're given love and a sound mind. And I think it looks like that's not happening in a lot of places right now.
0: One of the biggest playgrounds for confusion or for fear right now, of course, Or social medias Especially things like Facebook Where a lot of people can meet in a big old courtyard Of the Mm -hmm. internet here And throw out whatever they want to throw out And it's not just people that are doing it We're now interacting with computers As much as we are with people Right I've noticed that a lot of things that end up in our feeds Are because something in the algorithms Are saying, you want to see this Mm -hmm. If we send this to you We'll get a reaction out of you And we're in a capitalist society So it's a profit-making business You know, this is not a non-profit We're being told what to think or believe Or what to put into our mind based on an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And I would say, over the course of all these centuries, Jesus has always said, beware of those who try to stuff things in your mind that shouldn't be there. The Spirit of God should be the one that has the gatekeeping right. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, how does that really work? That's an honest question I'm asking of the church. And we want to address it as best we can from our perspective, but also leave it as an open question. I want our listeners to actually speak back to us. How do you find that God helps you discern In an age where there are so many opinions, Mm -hmm. and everyone is calling fact, that we lose track of the idea that God actually is a truth teller, and He knows what's true.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, honey, I know that you got a message about an area of conspiracy that you wanted to address. What was that?
0: It's not the conspiracy itself I want to address, but the way the questions present themselves. Now, I would say probably most of our audience, if they have any social media at all, have found something in their feed or something forwarded on to them from a friend that looks scary. Mm -hmm. And there's enough in the world, of course, that is literally scary, that if you walk into a room, you could get sick. Those kind of things are in the back of our minds all the time now. And a lot of us are still not even giving ourselves room to mourn yet for those that we've lost that have been taken by this disease. So when you hear a conspiracy popped into your feed, it gets a visceral reaction out of you. Yeah. And in some ways, I think the algorithms really want that. They want people to be agitated so that they're really thinking intensely about the thing that's in front of their face. The advertisers are making money. Mm -hmm. And so is the company that's selling the advertisers those Mm -hmm. spots.
1: I would also interject here that it's not just the advertisers and the companies that are making profit on Mm. this. I would say the enemy of our souls is making profit on this. Yes,
0: so there is a spiritual economy we need to talk about. What is the devil really after, and what has God already planned for in his economy? Mm -hmm. The devil obviously wants to destroy, and so his profit is to destroy the peace of the saints and to rule this world by any means necessary— if it's by peace, he'd do that. Mm-hmm. If it's by division, he'll do that. The devil just wants to take what God did not give him. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a literal reality. I don't think it's just a metaphor. I think the devil and his minions are actually active on this planet. But so is God right? and his angels yeah. and his people. The greatest victory in these kind of times that the devil gets is making sure that the church, the kingdom of God around the world, is not necessarily crushed or defeated, but just sidelined. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can just do nothing, he's happy.
1: Yeah. I think another thing that we've noticed a lot of lately, and this is something that kind of goes in cycles throughout history, and I've seen it multiple times in my lifetime. My parents saw it before I came along, and it's the notion of the end times. Mm-hmm. What is sneaking up on us, or what is coming, and the signs are there, and there's a big focus on the coming back of Jesus in the clouds. And as believers, we want that. We want Jesus to come. Or we're told to that we
0: want him to come back. The writers of the Psalms, especially, was like, God, come.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, avenge me, because they really believed that God was on their side. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, the church has not really disclosed an experience of God that really is for his people. Mm-hmm. He's a vengeful God that will put down evil. You know, I I realize there's some evil still in my heart. I haven't really talked with anybody about it. I still have stuff going on in me. We don't really share it because we're afraid. We're afraid of Mm -hmm. condemnation of our family, of our church, of our society, if we really got honest and brought it Mm -hmm. out. So we have this nagging sense in the back of our minds that if God really comes back and he really is going to punish evil... That means he's going to punish me.
1: Mm. Well, that is a way of looking at it. I think that as I was growing up and hearing the talk about the end times and all of the prophecies and predictions about how soon it was going to happen, I almost had this feeling of guilt Mm. for not wanting that because... Honestly, I wanted to grow up. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to get married and have children and and see them grow up and I wanted to see my grandchildren and possibly my great-grandchildren. I you know, my grandmother loved on her great-grandchildren mm-hmm. for a long yeah. time until she passed away. That almost felt selfish to me as mm-hmm. a believer. I was like, "Oh, God, you know, I don't want Jesus to come back right away. I don't want the end times to happen because I want to live." As I got older and I began to look at that almost obsession that many people had with end times and Jesus coming back, it seemed to me, and I may get kicked back from this, but it was an excuse to not live now, yeah. to not live for the day, and to not actually carry out the greatest commandment of love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I believe if we are so focused on Jesus coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back, the end times, we're not leaving room in ourselves to love those around us here and now.
0: I don't want to leave people with the impression that we don't want Jesus to come back because we want to live our lives. Because I think it's a a false understanding of what God's return is supposed to be like. If we believe in our hearts that it's going to be an awful, awful day. And that living is somehow separate from God's return and judgment, and that the two are incompatible. Either you have your life here or you have that life there, and they won't overlap. If we really believe that, then it's a dreadful transition.
1: But I think that's what I was led to believe or taught yes. to believe as a child.
0: Yeah, I think many that grew up in a more fundamentalist upbringing would have thought that. Mm-hmm. I think he's making it more plain to people that want to stay close to Jesus and not just chuck their faith. So how do those things add up? That is the problem we've had with the way we have interpreted, especially the words of Jesus in the mm-hmm. past 2,000
1: years. Well, I think it goes back to the thing that we talk about so often here on Compassion Radio, and that is the kingdom mindset, mm-hmm. the kingdom living that we want to encourage each other to do. We want to live in the kingdom that we've pledged our allegiance to. Mm-hmm. We have pledged our allegiance to the Son of God, to Jesus Christ, and to the kingdom of God. The kingdom is now. Abundant living is now. Yeah. We don't want to put it out there in the future. So like you said, it's not one or the other. It's not one or the other. It is both let's live now and let's love our families. Let's love our spouses and our neighbors and our enemies.
0: Let's love them the way that Jesus said is possible and that is his model.
1: Exactly. And look forward to his return at the same time.
0: To complete those things, Mm -hmm. to bring together a joyful reunion and a completion of all good things. If we believe that being here is his will, we should make the most of it. If we believe that he can return at any moment and make all things far better than we can even imagine, so much the better. And we love both things. We can hold both of them in our heart. Then we go about our lives the way he wanted us to. I believe that. We've seen that in the kingdom around the world. So let's talk about end times things. I want to, first of all, go to Matthew 24, because Jesus actually dealt with end times paranoia.
1: Yeah. In this yeah. one
0: chapter, he have just gotten through telling some really hard things to the religious leaders in Jerusalem about what's going to happen with the physical temple and the temple of his body. That's really messed with their minds. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they've walked across the valley. They're looking back down from the Mount of Olives, back at the temple again, just looking at the temple. And Jesus knows what's going to happen in you know 30 or 40 years. The temple itself is going to be ripped to pieces, mm-hmm. and their highest hope in that building will be erased from the planet. Yeah, he knows this, and yet he tells them what they need to hear, but also gives them a whole bucketful of what they asked for, which is mystifying. Which <laughs> I think is what's so cool about right. this this chapter. Yeah. So, what you read for us a little bit from that chapter?
1: I'm going to read verses one through fourteen of the chapter twenty-four of Matthew. As Jesus was leaving the temple courts, His disciples came to Him and pointed out the beautiful architecture of the temple. And Jesus turned to them and said, Take a good look at all these things, for I am telling you there will not be one stone left upon another. It will all be leveled. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, His disciples came privately to where He was sitting and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age?
0: They've asked a question with three components, and they Mm -hmm. assume it's all one thing. Right. What does Jesus say in response?
1: Jesus answered them, at that time, deception will run rampant. So beware that you're not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am the anointed one, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side, with rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears, for the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the birth pangs of a new age will begin. So birth pains are just the beginning of yeah. something. They're not the end of being. I mean, I've had birth pains, and I know that that's not what the outcome is. It's yeah. something you have to go through to get the prize, basically.
0: And you're the expert on this. I would hesitate to try to throw any sort of theological importance <laughs> on what that experience is like. I've not experienced yeah. it other than being by your side four times through yeah. this. It is interesting to me that Jesus says, these things will happen. Mm-hmm. The language means these things will continually happen. Keep coming up mm-hmm. Like a pot boiling The bubbles come up Water goes down The bubbles come up The water goes down
1: mm-hmm. That's a good analogy It's an
0: ongoing Broiling pot Yeah He's not saying This is like one period In history Like one week This is all going to Collapse on the planet mm-hmm. And then the end will come
1: Well and like birth pains It comes in waves yeah. And it rolls back and forth Like you are saying Like the boiling pot
0: for 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Remember, this is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Thank you for seriously considering this request and challenge. Our toll-free order line is one 800 868 2478. That's one 868 2478 You can also give anytime online at compassionradio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, PO Box 2770, Orange, California 92859. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. God bless you friends, and now back to our discussion.
1: Well, and like birth pains, it comes in waves, yeah. and it rolls back and forth like you are saying, like the boiling pot.
0: And there have been many episodes in Christian history, even since the time that Jesus said these words, where they've absolutely been convinced this was it.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: is the end. There can't be anything else beyond this. Yeah, I've heard it preached well that every generation is the final generation because you're in it. And if Jesus chose to come back and establish his kingdom, you would be the last ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're right at the finish line here. But don't live like you want God's justice to pour out on earth because you're waiting for the real thing to finally happen. Right. Don't live that way because you're not really living. Are we willing to face the fact that if we die before we live, that we'll have wasted an opportunity? Mm-hmm. What if I really have died before I even started to live mm-hmm. spiritually? The church gets hung up in that a lot. Yeah. That's not what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Let's read the rest of that particular passage.
1: Well, Jesus goes on to say you can expect to be persecuted, Mm. even killed, for you'll be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Many will stop following me and fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But hold your hope firmly to the end, and you will experience life and deliverance. Through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with the demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of this age will arrive.
0: Yeah. My question, and it's rhetorical, one, honey, who is Jesus talking to? <laughs> is he talking to the world? This is what's going to happen to the world. He's talking to his own people. Yeah. All of this stuff, all of this degradation, all of this abandonment of faith, all of this panic and navel-gazing, he's talking about his own people. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, at least be aware this is going to come after you. Again, this is one of those examples of, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face then I'll hear from heaven. This is about his people, not the world. Mm -hmm. We got to pay attention to this. When he's telling his people that they're going to go through this, they're going to be persecuted. And many, because of that, are not going to be able to hang on. Mm -hmm. But those who do will see this. It's not that he's throwing away his family. He's not saying he's sending them to hell, Mm -hmm. but he is saying that there's something vital here that we need to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. I think we need to address the persecution as well, because there are so many now that believe they're being persecuted because of things that are happening in our country right now. And and I just got to say, with all the love and care that I can say this, we are not being persecuted in this country. The American church is not being persecuted. It is being ridiculed, possibly. It is being pressured, possibly. But it is not being persecuted. The church in America is strong. It is in power in a lot of ways. And we need to be careful when we start calling out, I'm being persecuted, I'm being persecuted, because we really aren't. We are very privileged in this country. Many Christians in other nations that we know live in great persecution daily and lose their lives because of it, because of their walk with Christ. Many of those people look at what's happening in America and say, wow, that is not that big of a deal, yeah. you know, I just want to caution us to be really careful when we start throwing that word around being persecuted,
0: yeah, because it, it, it quite honestly is pretty trivial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That does not mean that we don't have opposition or people don't get in our faces or trouble us, yeah. But if we're troubled by things, that does not mean that we are persecuted for things,
1: yeah. Oh, that's a good point, yeah.
0: Um, we have a lot of power, and I'm talking about politically and socially. Christians in general, evangelicals in particular, have exercised the power within the political system, within this culture, for many generations. Mm -hmm. They are not a small part of this country, and they're not being picked on by everybody who is a huge majority. We are literally the majority in this country.
1: It's interesting to me how that works out that way. I want to say that Jesus goes on talking in this chapter about how all of these things are happening, and it's going to look and we'll really keep bad, on happening. And, we'll, and keep on happening, and you still have to keep moving. And don't yeah. believe everyone that pops up and says, this is when I'm coming, this is when it's happening, and or this sort of is what this means. Not
0: every time that someone says, I got an inside track on what God's up to, or I know when the rapture is going to happen, or anything that leads us to hate, or to fear, or to panic, or to obsession... None of these things are the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it seems kind of simple to have to say that, but yeah. it's, it's like a baseline thing. We've got to remind ourselves that the fruit of the Spirit is how we know the truth is present and that God is in there.
1: Yeah.
0: Proclaiming his truth, helping us to live it.
1: Yeah. Well, Jesus says in verse 36 of Matthew 24, the, no one knows. Yeah. And concerning all of these things, that day, that exact hour, the angels in heaven don't even know.
0: About that particular day, the day he shows up again.
1: Right. And so for us to presume that we can figure that out is pretty arrogant, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's presumptuous, too, that we don't have to do anything until that time. If we just know that time, we can stand ready to pounce to be the Mm one to take over. Like we're some kind of insurgency waiting to happen to solve everything on the planet with him. Like it's an invasion. It's not.
1: Well, and concerning that, I mean, what you're saying is just sitting around waiting for it to happen. Jesus specifically speaks to that as well. In verse 45 and 46, he says... that
0: is our takeaway for today. So (laughs) go for it.
1: What would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? Hmm. He would be a wise servant who is both faithful and dependable the master would commission him to oversee others for he would lead them well mm-hmm. and give them food at the right time what joy and blessing will come to that faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence yeah.
0: it's the idea of a chef in the kitchen being surprised by the owner of the castle he walks in and says what are you up to what's on the pot mm. like literally that the chef looking over his shoulder oh oh you're you're back come see I and mean, you you step right up to it. It's not that the work has stopped. It's that the work is reaching its fulfillment mm-hmm. and that God's presence is so evident now. I'm convinced, honey, that this image is a literal image that Jesus wants to see in everybody who claims to be a follower of him. Mm-hmm. He wants us to manage our calling well, yeah. to be a good steward. In other words, he puts stuff in our hands. Every single servant gets something. Everybody in the kingdom gets put into their hands something to work with. Mm -hmm. God wants to find us, if that is the time of his anointed return, and we're still physically alive on the planet when that happens, we are to be found faithful in the doing, not just some believing, but in the working out of our faith. So there is no room in my mind to be obsessed about things that aren't about the kingdom, That aren't about loving, that aren't about actually trusting that God has me in this time for such a time as this.
1: Well, and a person that's doing this, a servant that is serving this way, as it says in verse 45 and 46, is not concerned about their own ego. Ego is not even in play here. Their own personal rights, their ability to get what they need for themselves. It is not even a question here. They are serving the household. The master has left them in charge to serve, and that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Which tells me, too, that every person that receives something from God in the parables, a talent, which meant a sum of money. Mm-hmm. In other words, something of great value. In this picture, the things that God has given this faithful servant are other people. Mm. Oh, that's good. He's about the work of serving them and providing for them. Yeah, Literal food sometimes, perhaps. I mean, think about Thanksgiving dinners when you (laughs) open up the table to everybody in your neighborhood because you want to be a good neighbor and you want to show people what it means to really Mm -hmm. be loved and enjoy fellowship. Mm -hmm. It's a tradition in many, many churches. It's a great example of the daily living that God expects of us. We are to be about loving people and treating them the way he would treat them right now because he's going to come back and treat them that way. He better find us getting good practice in this. is exactly. His revealing is going to be a glorious thing, but I think it'll be traumatic for those who bought a falsehood mm, mm. that God somehow was going to avenge and take care of evildoers. And all those people that I thought all my life were evil, I kept pointing my finger at them. God's going to take care of them. And God shows up and says, I'm taking care of finger pointers. That's my first order of business. Oh, well, I see that you haven't been doing my work. What's up? Mm. I mean, do you want to face him with our fingers pointing at somebody mm. and say, this is not what you said you'd come back, like dressing God down? No. We want to be where he is, looking the direction he looks, serving the way he serves the people that he loves.
1: I think too, though, it has to be out of a heart of love for others. and We can't do it out of fear of being caught not mm. doing it. I want to encourage the body of Christ to really be the body of Christ. Yeah. And our brothers and sisters in Christ and who are of other faiths need to see that that's what it looks like. Yeah. They're serving, they're loving, they are preparing a way for others to feel loved and accepted.
0: They are not angry, they're not in a rage.
1: On the one hand, we don't want to be caught off guard mm-hmm. and not doing the work of the kingdom. On the other hand, we don't want to be obsessively serving and trying to produce to please God to
0: earn his favor. Earn
1: his favor, that works mentality. It's got to be, it's got to be from a heart of love
0: that he put in there. Mm. Again, we don't even have to come up with this love. It's something that Jesus promised he put in our hearts if we just ask for it. Back to the beginning of our conversation honey. we put a scenario out there. You're on Facebook and you start seeing memes flying at you and you have a whole stream of conspiracy theories coming at you from your friend's feeds that show up in yours. We have a choice to make when we see those things. I would encourage people to choose something specific, to take that to God and say, Lord, whether this is actually real or not, what do you want for me to see in you How do you want me to respond Mm -hmm. to these people? How do I love them right now the way you love me and the way you love them? So they'll see it and they won't be afraid. Mm. You know, there are things we should be concerned about and there are things we can do to help each other, whether it's the pandemic or politics or (laughs) even dealing with our own pastors and people in our own churches. There are things we can do that are practical. But on the bigger issue of where does God need to focus me right now and recalibrate me? Mm. I need a reset button every once in a while too. Mm -hmm. I don't always think about God things first. Mm -hmm. But when I realize that I'm not thinking about God first, I have to ask him, help me out here because I'm off kilter. Mm -hmm. Bring me back to where you want me to be, Lord, so that I can love the way you love. Mm -hmm. I can trust the way you've designed me to trust you, that I can see you answer prayer, that I can see you lead me to places where your kingdom is served, where people find you, are not driven away from you.
1: Yeah. Honey, let's wrap this up. We just need to remember that God is the strength of our life. He is our shield and our stronghold. He is the tower that we run to. He is our safe place. And we don't have to fall prey to these conspiracies, these fear mongers, these people who are calling us to reject people in order to save ourselves. Yeah. We need to accept. We need to save others.
0: And we refer you to the Psalms when they say, protect me, save me, O Lord. Find Psalms that speak for you in that place of need of if you're feeling confused and worried. Yeah. Psalm 18 is a great one to start with. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on this subject. We'll come back to it, I think, in the future. There'll be lots more to say about how we can get ourselves on track and on God's wavelength. We'd love to hear from you on compassionateradio.com. We love you, friends, and thank you so much for being with us today. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, PO Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.